Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey everyone. This week we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 22, Beach Games. In this episode, Michael gets an important phone call. The office members head to the beach and participate in survivor-style games. In the cold open, we see Michael and Dwight in Michael's office trying to figure out what's wrong with Michael. And Michael is being very vague about his symptoms and what hurts and where it hurts. And we learn from an interstitial with Pam that... This might not be the most dire of illnesses. Pam tells the camera that about 40 times a year, Michael is gravely ill but has no symptoms, and Dwight is always concerned. And what's telling is Dwight asks Michael specifically when the symptoms started, and Michael's response is about 10 minutes ago, which is when Dwight brought in some paperwork that needed to be completed by Michael. And we have seen uh, shades of this before. There's been instances of procrastination by Michael because he just doesn't want to do work. But this is sort of fascinating because this is what an eight-year-old does when they don't want to go to school. Right. (laughs) Just a general, I don't feel good sort of thing, but can't pinpoint why. It is around this time that Pam comes into Michael's office and says that he has a phone call from David Wallace. And so Michael takes the call and is instantly better. He is healed. Yeah, he is much more uh, lively than he was just a few minutes before this. And David says that there is a job opening in corporate and they would like Michael to come and interview for it. And David tells him to get together his first quarter numbers and to think of a person who would replace him as regional manager of the Scranton branch. Tellingly, David does not tell Michael what the job is. All we know is that it's just a corporate job. Michael's response is to be a huge weirdo. He also slides in there that he broke Jan's heart. David, now this is a clue to remember, David says Jan's away on a trip. Before David can end the call, Michael tells him that he wished he had prepared some words for this moment. I don't know what those words would even be. (laughs) He just, David is just, is sort of, you can tell Second guessing making this phone call in the first place. I'm just so curious where Michael would have fallen on this list of candidates for this job. So Michael tells him, may God guide you in your quest. (laughs) This cold open really sets up what the episode is. When we get into the main part of the episode, we see the office members preparing to go to the beach and... Do you think that this beach day was already planned and then now it has become this survivor type competition for Michael's job? Or 
did Michael come up with this beach day as a to-do this thing I, specifically? I think the first one. I think that they already had this planned. We never see another uh, event like this. You know, we saw, uh, if you recall from season two, the booze cruise. Right. So to me, this might be something similar to that, this sort of team building day. Sure. Um, but at the beach. Now, what's interesting is that it's clearly like April or May. It is not warm. Now, people are wearing swimsuits, but people are wearing a lot of like long sleeves, jackets, hats, and then it's clearly quite chilly at night. And we'll talk in the annex, you know, why that is. They're still filming in California. They're not actually in Pennsylvania. Because Michael wants Beach Day to be this beautiful memory for the office once he's gone, because, side note, Michael has already convinced himself that he is going to get this job, that he's the best and most qualified candidate. They couldn't possibly not give it to him. And so his choice for a recommendation is, in his mind, the absolute true successor. Like, he is crowning the next person. Which really, it wouldn't be the case. There would probably be a lot of other people to have a say in who that would be. David just said he wanted a recommendation, not this uh, weird coronation type thing. So in order to have this beautiful beach memory, Michael is requiring Toby to stay behind at the office. So Toby is pretty bummed about not being able to go to beach day, especially when he learns that Pam is going to be wearing a two-piece swimsuit, and he gets a little creepy at that time. Very much so. It was weird, especially for adults. I don't know. That's weird with anyone. It's just weird. Right. Pam is not out of the woods yet either, though, because Michael has imparted on her the job of taking notes during the day and at this point in the episode we don't know what Michael has planned nor does anybody else in the office and so yeah shockingly Michael has kept a secret here yeah and and so Michael is very vague in what Pam will be taking notes on He essentially just asks her to write down everything that happens that everybody does and what everybody says all day. And so Pam is obviously a little bummed that she won't get to really enjoy the beach day that was planned. Little does she know, though, that no one will really get to enjoy the beach day that was planned. On the bus, on the way to the beach, Michael says that he has all these super secret fun activities planned. Which this reminds me, so I played uh, college volleyball and our coach would often set aside super secret fun days. Now sometimes they were actually fun. One time, it was right after preseason, which is a grueling three a day in the middle of August heat. We did the ROTC rope course on campus and it was rainy and kind of chilly and gloomy and not something that was super fun after really hard lifting sessions. 
and people kind of complained a lot about it and our coach didn't like that similarly to Michael when everyone complains about having to form the four tribes and to do all these different games now this doesn't seem very well thought out by Michael but Michael's never been a great thinker or planner he does name the leaders of the four tribes and he says all the reasons why he has chosen these leaders so we have Jim, Dwight, Andy, and Stanley as the tribal leaders and everyone's allowed to pick their team now Curtis what I'm confused by a little bit is the points are awarded on a team basis but the winner would be the winner being who gets the recommendation for the regional manager job would be the team or the tribe's leader. Does that seem fair? I guess no. Michael seems to have some people in mind already to get this promotion. And so, yeah, why do all these other people have to participate in these games if he already kind of thinks that it's just those four people? I'm also curious if Beach Day originally had these sort of team activities. I'm going to guess that some of them were involved, but that part of the day was just kind of relaxing and hanging out. Now, these four people, minus Andy, I think would be who Michael would likely have in mind anyways. I don't think that there's anybody else that necessarily should be considered for the manager job. Do you? Well, the the biggest thing about the people that he has selected and he says this later in the episode is that they're all from sales so he is already limiting his pool from which he is pulling from I would argue that probably Oscar should be considered Oscar seems to be probably the most competent worker in the office I would agree with that so, yeah, he's probably the only other person I can think of that would potentially be a logical choice for managerial position. The makeup of the teams aren't incredibly important. Jim picks Karen to be on his team. Ryan ends up on Dwight's team. Angela ends up on Andy's team. And I believe Kelly is also on Andy's team. But really, the the makeup beyond that isn't ever shown or further important to the show. The very first activity that Michael wants the group to partake in is the egg race. So, you know, classic sort of picnic or family reunion game where you hold an egg on a spoon and you have to be blindfolded. I guess that's an extra component, the blindfold. Yeah. Normally, you're not blindfolded. It's it, The point of this is to add in kind of the leadership aspect of it. So each of the captains is in charge of basically navigating the person who has the egg on a spoon down the beach, around a tiki torch, and then back to the starting line. Right. Phyllis drops her egg nearly immediately, taking Stanley out of contention, which he's fine with because he can go do a puzzle. 
Kelly is freaking out that she's going to hit the big rock that is at least, I don't know, 30 yards away. Takes off her blindfold. Andy's disqualified. Jim uh, plays a prank on Karen and sends her into the water as he's guiding her. And she takes off the blindfold to throw her egg at him in a funny, you know, laughing manner. And so they are disqualified. Dwight is just yelling and over the top at Ryan, the person from his team who is going to the point where Ryan says, I'm not going to do this. If you don't stop yelling, Dwight stops for maybe a couple minutes and then starts yelling mush at him. And Ryan just throws down the egg and the spoon and takes off the blindfold. So there's no winners in this first activity, which really upsets Michael. Michael gives Pam a little break from her note-taking by asking her to cook up 800 hot dogs for a eating contest that he has planned. And when Pam asks when this needs to be done by, he says, eh, like 10 minutes. Which, how did this happen? And so when Pam tries to protest, he's just like, just get it done and, and leaves. So he sets up the hot dog eating contest and tells everybody that the world record for hot dogs eaten is 57 and that there are enough hot dogs there for everyone to break that record. And so it is at this point that people are getting a little kind of annoyed with the how the day has gone yeah people are asking for mustard for a turkey burger yeah i wouldn't enjoy only having hot dogs as an option right gross and so this is kind of getting on michael's nerves and he finally breaks and says whoever wins the competition today will get his job that will be the person that he puts forward to replace him when he eventually gets this job he is interviewing for. Jim makes some uncomfortable faces at the camera here because Michael is going on and on about how you know, he's the most qualified, he's definitely going to get this job, he needs to find a good successor. The reason being, Jim knows he's also interviewing for this job. Knowing what's at stake really invigorates Stanley and Andy here. And they, and Dwight, really, they all really go for it. Andy ends up winning by eating 13 hot dogs. 14, but one came up. Again, why everyone had to participate in the hot dog eating contest if they weren't even going to be considered, I don't really know. The next event is a sumo wrestling contest, and Michael has brought along those kind of novelty inflatable sumo suits that you see. Like, we had them at After Prom one one year. Yeah. Yeah, that's really... I literally have never seen it anywhere but After Prom in the office. Yeah. So, we only see two matches, and it, again, only involves the four people that are the team captains. Jim and Stanley face off first 
and it is a very quick match because Stanley, still feeling the motivation of getting this job, charges right at Jim, and Jim pretty much just turns around and runs away. (laughs) What's telling is a lot of people's reaction after hearing that Michael is is going to throw his name in for this corporate job and that the successor is going to come from the inside. Stanley says he would rather work for a upturned broom with a bucket as a head than anyone else in the office. Oscar says that if Dwight becomes the manager, he will transfer to Albany and his boyfriend Gil can come along or not. He's kind of looking for a way out of the relationship. In the second matchup, Dwight handily defeats Andy. And then following his defeat, Andy is sort of contemplative by the edge of the lake, gets too close and falls in and he's still in the sumo suit. So he literally floats away. Dwight and Angela also take this moment uh, to steal a few seconds just to themselves. And because Angela is on Andy's team, Dwight asks Angela to engage in the Dutch art of sabotage. Angela gladly takes the assignment, saying that she will misinterpret everything that Andy says to her. She does this by saying that she doesn't understand what Andy wants from her when she is the only person to notice him having fallen into the water and floating away and just says, I don't know what you want from me and tells him goodbye and walks back to the group. After this, we see Jim and Karen kind of off on their own and Jim is on the phone with David Wallace. And it is in this phone call that we learn that Jim is also being considered for this position and so is Karen. Mm -hmm. And they both set up their interview times to meet with David Wallace. We don't know a lot about Karen as far as how long she's been a salesperson, how good she is at sales. We know that Jim's the number two in the Scranton office, Dwight's the number three. It's interesting that Dwight isn't being given any consideration considering his sales record and how great of a salesman he is. Now, it could be that he doesn't really scream corporate and David is probably aware of that. Which, you know, kind of makes it all the more ridiculous that Michael is even being considered. Agree. I don't know if it's a sort of courtesy thing. If it's all the regional managers are just getting consideration and then some of, you know, just the salespeople at the different branches. We'll get there on who eventually gets this job, uh, but it does seem to be a pretty wide net. And you make a good point in bringing up the fact that Jim is the office is number two. And so it would seem that even if he is interviewing for this job, he is the logical choice to become the regional manager of the branch. Yeah. If in the situation it's Michael that gets chosen for the corporate job and Jim wants the regional manager job, that seems like a natural succession. Now, if they want to do a similar thing in which they're interviewing Jim and maybe a couple other people for the regional manager Scranton branch with Jim being the sort of heir apparent, that would make sense more than Michael's competition. And let's be clear, no one told Michael to do this. No one, David did not mean have a survivor style 
you know, beach day in order to figure out your recommended successor. Yeah. So the final event of the day is the hot coal walk. And Michael is imploring everyone to do this. And everyone is refusing, obviously, because no one would want to actually do that. And Michael calls on Jim to do it first. And Jim says he's not going to do it. And he also tells Michael he is also interviewing for the same position. Which Michael does not believe him. He takes away points from Jim for essentially lying. And Jim kind of turns the tables on Michael here and says, why don't you do the hot coal walk yourself? And Michael says he already has when he burned his foot in the George Foreman grill. And people are very quick to say that's not the same thing. And so people are like, you shouldn't ask people to do something that you aren't willing to do yourself. And so Michael finally gives in and is just kind of psyching himself up to do the walk. And he is hesitating and hesitating. And finally people are like, okay, we'll count you down. And they get to the end of the countdown and Michael doesn't go. And it is at this point that Dwight steps forward and says, I will do this for you. And I am going to walk out there and I will stay on the coals until you give me the regional manager position. Dwight's strategy is a bad one. The entire strategy to a fire walk is to keep moving. It's essentially run across so that your feet aren't touching uh, the hot coals. This is just this sort of scary, horrendous moment because obviously standing there takes Dwight down to his knees and he's had to be helped off the coals by everyone else. And Michael is horrified but in a unhelpful way by Dwight's display because he says that was just embarrassing and you know part of the job is about image he's throwing out all these platitudes about what the job is and what the job requires and it's just interesting he doesn't fulfill a lot of those qualities and my one of my favorite lines is when he's talking about Jim and he says the con about Jim is that he's not a very hard worker because Michael could work on a project all day and the same project would only take Jim 30 minutes. In the end, Michael says he's looking for someone that has the Bob Hope factor. You have to have humor in order to be the regional manager, which does not seem accurate. You should probably have some good managerial skills. Since Stanley has sort of bowed out of the race after the sumo wrestling event, just saying that he couldn't keep up the facade of kissing Michael's butt, essentially, it really comes down to Dwight and Jim, because remember, Andy's still floating away in the lake. Jim declines to give, you know, whatever speech about the Bob Hope factor. And while Dwight is telling some very weird anecdote in the background, Pam is getting ready to do the coal walk. Prior to Michael's attempt, Pam says that she had wanted to do it, but Michael kept talking over her. 
and really interrupting her and belittling her saying that it's really only these people and she's there to take notes and he doesn't really want to hear from her. So Pam does the hot coal walk and kind of in her adrenaline rush goes to the group and just kind of lets this stream of consciousness go and you know asks people why they didn't come to her art show and she said that that really hurt that no one came at all and then she turns to Jim and just lets all of these thoughts and feelings go to him and says that she misses them being good friends and that she canceled her wedding because of Jim and that it hurts that they aren't even friends anymore. At one point she says, and now you're dating someone else and the camera flashes to Karen, who's sort of just sitting there stunned at this public speech. And Pam continues on, and that's fine, but... I just had to let you know this because it's weird and it just sucks. And then she realizes that, you know, actually it's the whole office that's hearing this. And she sort of comes to her senses a little bit. And she's like, I'm going to go stand in the water. But she's happy with what she's done. You know, she said, this is a good day. And that is pretty much where the episode wraps up. We don't really get a sense of who, quote, won the day and who Michael would most be considering for the position. During this whole day, part of Pam's job has been to keep score for Michael. And Michael has been throwing out just random accolades throughout the day. And so Pam doesn't really know what means what and which is the best and things like that. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about this episode. There's quite a few for today. So this episode was filmed at a fake beach near Hanson Dam in California. And the showrunners and the people assigned to this episode, they chose this area because it was the bleakest looking setting that they could find. Uh, they wanted something that would be very similar to Lake Scranton. And the original location that they chose was just too beautiful. And, like, it's California. And so there's going to be a big difference between a California beach and a Scranton, Pennsylvania beach. In the scenes where Ed Helms was floating away in the lake, he was wearing a harness. And there was a fish hook that was through the sleeve of the sumo costume. And... The crew, there were a couple crew members in a rowboat that would be pulling him along to make it seem like he was floating. So then they'd have to wait 15 minutes and sort of set it all up again to get these shots. And because it's California and it's probably the desert, it was blazing hot during the day and they had to have tents with air conditioning. And it was super cold for the night shoots and they had to have heaters. So it does not sound like the most pleasant of shoots. A lot of the cast members would spit out the hot dogs after they would take a bite or eat them in between the scenes, and that would activate Ed Helms's gag reflex, so it just also sounds very unpleasant. Uh, this obviously wasn't a real coal walk. It was 
they were lava rocks and then there was um, like a lot of gels along the ground but and then there were some small uh, type fires on the very edge but nothing uh, there was real. They did a lot of takes of Pam's speech from a lot of different angles, a lot of different ways, uh, having her close up and they really, the, the crew gave a lot of kudos to Jenna Fisher um, for having very strong takes of the speech. So I don't think we have any firings this episode. Kind of common for episodes that don't actually take place in the office. Right. What is your Dundee for this week? I have two Dundees. Uh, the first is a quick one. Best fan goes to Dwight, who is such a strong and loyal Harry Potter fan that he gets very concerned whenever anyone says Voldemort, uh, which Jim has named his tribe Voldemort in order to antagonize Dwight, who chose to name his tribe Gryffindor. The other Dundee is the worst boss tactic, which is nearly everything that Michael did to Pam in this episode. For instance, making her grill 800 hot dogs in 10 minutes saying, just get it done. That's a very not my problem sort of thing, but I'm passing it off to you, but I'm going to be upset if you don't get it done. And then asking her to let him know what he said and you know to remember things and to try to convert his thoughts into something coherent. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the most inflated sense of importance and that goes to Michael. <laughs> throughout this episode and really throughout this entire series, anytime Michael talks about his role as regional manager, it is always something that absolutely has nothing to do with being regional manager. Just talking about how it's important to be funny and like you have to have kind of this wow factor and things like that. And it's like, no, that's that's not what this is about at all. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Pam for completing the cold walk when no one else could and for finally admitting her feelings after nearly an entire year after the kiss that she and Jim shared at Casino Night. Who is your Employee of the Month? My Employee of the Month is Toby because while it seemed like it was probably a bummer that he didn't get to go to Beach Day, when you see what that day actually entailed, he didn't have to t take part in any of that. Yeah. And everybody was there super late, and he probably just got to go home whenever he normally would have gone to home. What do you think of Pam's speech? And if you were, you know, watching this in real time, what would be your reaction to this love triangle now? I am an admitted Team Karen member. And so my thoughts on this are probably a little jaded. <laughs> uh, I think the timing was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Even if it needed to be said or Pam felt that it had to be said, it's extremely rude to do it in front of Karen, in front of the entire office. And she is also kind of removing any blame from herself. She essentially is just dumping on Jim 
all of this when she has been equally awkward. That's a good point. And is like she she says you're dating somebody else and that's fine and it's clearly not fine to her. She has been cold to Karen in several situations and always has kind of that look on like anytime that they show Jim and Karen doing like couple stuff has that like look of concern on her face or whatever. So I don't think that she is really thinking this through as much as it she's trying to make it seem like she is. I agree with you and you make some really good points here about her role in this. She is the one that got back together with Roy. And that is completely glossed over in her speech. She is the one that turned down Jim twice. And yes, she still did call off her wedding, but she really didn't do any, you know, sitting with her feelings and reflection until now. And Jim's moved on. Like, how is that really fair to this person that was so hung up on you that he had to move away? So it's, you've said this before, it's Pam asking for a lot of chances that may have already passed her by. And if I were Karen, I would be absolutely furious. Yeah, and that's not even taking into consideration that, you know, Jim's feelings on the whole situation. Jim is probably right in distancing himself from Pam, considering the fact that he is dating Karen. Right. And... This is it's kind of short-sighted on Pam's part if she doesn't realize what is happening in the reasoning for it because she knows that Jim had feelings for her at one point. Mm-hmm. And so now the situation is he is dating somebody else but still has to see this person that turned him down every single day. So of course he's going to distance himself. Of course they're not going to be as good of friends as they used to be. The situation has changed. Right, and if I was Karen, and we just don't get her perspective all that often or really ever, if I'm Karen and I know that my boyfriend has had feelings for this woman that we both work with, and I see them hanging out and joking all the time, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a relationship issue, and it has been for Jim and Karen. And none of this is Karen's fault. She's really getting the short end of the stick the entire way here and karen obviously is the bigger person in this entire situation because she knows the history between jim and pam and she clearly is still at least cool with the fact that jim and pam have a relationship of some sort yeah she's probably not happy about it but she understands that the situation is what it is and you know, she's probably just very trusting in Jim and thinking, you know, he's with me now and it doesn't matter that he talks to this woman that he used to, quote unquote, have feelings for. Right. And it's sort of, it's not, Pam's speech is not as big of a sort of bombshell as Casino Night, I feel like, and and the kiss there. Um, granted, we still have an episode to go 
for the finale, but really, honestly, the Jim and Pam Karen relationship is not the main focus of this finale. So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And please continue listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and comment wherever you can to help get our name out there. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.